So we are uh, beginning a new series this week uh, in the book of Titus. And so we, uh, as Sam just read for us, we are beginning in the first four verses of the book of Titus. So this is going to be our summer elder preaching series in which all of our elders uh, take a week in, in preaching through this book. So it with this, I'm beginning it this morning. Is it my wire here? Okay, I might switch mics here. All right, let's start from this side of the stage. I've never preached from this side. It looks totally different. Um, so we're beginning, Titus this is going to be our summer elder preaching series. And uh, so I'm beginning us off in establishing the book and where we're at and where we're heading with it. And then next week, JT is up. And then I'll be for the rest of the month of July. And then for August, each of those weeks will be another elder uh, as we walk through this book together. And so go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Titus. If you don't know where it's at, turn to the table of contents, and that'll help you find your way there. It's right after the book of 2 Timothy, right before the book of Hebrews. And, uh, and so we're going to read the first, even though Sam just read them for us, I want to read the first four verses uh, again. And so Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Let's pray as we dig into God's Word this morning. And so, Father, come before you, and we thank you so much for this Word that you have given us in the book of Titus through the writing of Paul. And uh, so pray that you would use it to open up our hearts to see the glorious grace that you've shown us in the gospel and how that should affect every aspect of our lives moving forward. And so help us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what's the context of this book? So, Paul is writing to a guy named Titus, and Titus uh, was a young pastor, missionary guy. And uh, so, there, there, he's on the island called Crete, which is a big Greek island. And, uh, and so, he and Paul probably have both done some evangelism or some work on this island. And so now Paul is moving on to another location to do some more work, uh, to plant more churches up in Asia or something. And so he's they're leaving, but he leaves Titus here on Crete to establish these churches. And so what his role is, is essentially that of an IMB missionary, uh, missionaries that we all support collectively through the cooperative program uh, that we go do, we partner with. And uh, so his role is to find and train local elders and pastors uh, to establish and point them over the churches in the different towns on the island of Crete. And then he's to teach correct doctrine to them and to the churches to help get them established so they know what is the truth that Jesus, that we learned from Jesus, or what are the basics of Christianity? And then another thing he's supposed to teach is, then how does that affect how we all live. 
Because when you believe in Jesus, it has an effect on your life, or it's supposed to. That's the point. Christ's likeness is the goal of our faith, is to become like Jesus. And so he says, Titus, I want you to do that. I want you to teach people that message, that when you believe in Jesus, it changes everything about your life. And so, Titus, you're going to be the point man. You're the guy with the boots on the ground here in Crete to establish these churches and appoint pastors. And so, for, as is just a total side note, for many of us, when we think of the term missionary or someone in this role, we think of someone who's totally other than me. Someone who has skills that I don't have, who is calling that I don't have, who is loved by God in ways that I'm not, who is just the Superman missionary. Um, But the reality is, for Titus and for you and me, is that that's actually just the Christian life. Like, the calling of a missionary is not something that is unique to someone who moves to Macedonia, or someone who moves to Ukraine, or somewhere else. Like, you as a believer in Jesus Christ, are called to be his ambassador and to spread his kingdom where you're at. You are a missionary for Jesus where you're at. And he says, Titus, you're just going to do it here in Crete now. That's what he's doing. And so it's not above you, but that's just a side note. So getting into the text here, I want you to see something that Paul says about himself here at the beginning. Paul calls himself two, gives himself two titles here. Paul that's not what, that's just his name. That's not the title I'm talking about. A servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul calls himself a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that's who he is now. But this is important for us. I want, this is something I want us to, to spend a little bit of a time on uh, because in another letter that Paul wrote, he talks about who he used to be. In 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says this about himself. He was giving his testimony when he's writing to another guy, just like Titus, named Timothy. And he gives a testimony. He says, even though, verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance in unbelief. So there's something in this title about Paul that I want us to spend time on or grasp a little bit because there's, there, there's a glimpse or there's a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in someone's life. The same thing that Paul is leaving Timothy to, to establish on their island. He says that gospel that we are spreading here on Crete, that I'm hoping that you will establish churches who will then preach this gospel, has the same effect or is the same thing that happened in Paul's own life. See, now he is an ambassador for Christ. He is an apostle and he's a servant, but formerly he was not that. Formerly, in his testimony, he said he was a a blasphemer and a persecutor and an arrogant man. And that is a very brief summary of who Paul really was in his past life. Because essentially what that is, is Paul's shorthand for the fact that he was a religious extremist. He was a religious extremist, a murderous man who actively went on jihad for God. That's who Paul was in his past life. In fact, the first martyrdom or the first murder of a Christian in the book of Acts 
was by a guy, was, was a guy named Stephen. And at that guy's stoning, Paul was there as an authority, giving his approval to what was taking place in front of him. That was Paul's role. He was a Pharisee giving approval to that. And like, that's who he was. And then let me read you something in Acts 8. This is in the aftermath of stoning being put to death, or Stephen being put to death. It says, Saul, Acts 8, verse 1, Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, verse 3, however, was ravaging the church. Saul is uh, Paul. It's the same guy. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Why would he do that? Because they professed faith in Jesus and dared to meet together at a church service like this. Paul was a religious extremist. He went on jihad for God, and that's who he was. That's how he thought. That's how he thought true worshipers of God should live. That's who Paul was. But then all of a sudden, we see in the next chapter, chapter 9, he's on his way to do that very same thing in another town called Damascus. He's heading there. He's, he's, He's doing his religious work for God. He's heading in his way there, and all of a sudden, he has an experience with Jesus, where Jesus comes to him, and he says, you're going to persecute me, but listen, now you're mine. You're heading to go persecute me, but I want to demonstrate something, that I'm going to pull you out of that, and I'm going to show my grace towards you, and I'm going to make you the, the pitcher on my team. And so that's what the trajectory of Paul's life changed from the moment he met Jesus on. And so the question is, is what what really could affect or have that kind of power to affect this kind of change in a person to where you can go from a jihadist to the one who's called an apostle of Jesus Christ? How could you have that kind of change in a life? And what we see here from Paul's preaching is that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change the heart of a person so drastically. That's what Paul is showing us. That's what he's showing us in this. Because in in it, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see the beauty and the love and the grace of God that's on display. That's what we see in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it cuts like a sword deep into the heart of men like Paul where you see, no, I was persecuting him. I was running from him. I denied him and therefore I was a blasphemer, but his grace came to me. He showed me even when I didn't love him that he loved me and he wanted me on his team. And when I learned that, it cut Paul like a sword. And he said, I want that. I want him. And so Paul followed him. And this is important for this book as we are looking in the book of Titus. Uh, What we're going to see in chapter 2 is this concept uh, that was on display in Paul's life 
that when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for you, set you free from your sin, and enabled you then to follow him with righteousness or in righteousness, then that changes everything about your life. It changes everything about your life. It leads to major transformation, just like it did for Paul. And that is going to be a major point in this book. And so now Paul, as a result of meeting Jesus, has been given a special commission. He's been given a special commission. Look what he says. He is a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. What is an apostle? Like we, It's not a term we use for anyone here. Uh, at the church. We don't have a, a denominational person called an apostle or anything like that. This is, that is a special term used with reference to someone who witnessed personally the resurrected Jesus Christ and then was given a special commission by Jesus to spread his message. So it's a person who witnessed Jesus physically resurrected and then was given a special commission by him to share his word. That's what Paul was given. So he is, there's a, an immense amount of authority, of authority given in that title. And Paul, the dude who is persecuting Jesus, Jesus came to him on the Damascus Road, revealed himself as the risen Savior, and then gave Paul a special commission and said, no, you're persecuting me? but now you're on my team. Go. You are going to share my word. And so Paul was given that role. And as he does it, he carries Christ's authority as he proclaims the gospel and teaches the church as a whole. And and now in this, this gets really deep here. I want you to see this. This is fascinating. When I started reading this introduction of Paul, This is fascinating to me because in verse 3, he starts to talk a little bit about what is contained within this being an apostle. And in his own time, verse 3, in his own time, meaning God, God has revealed his word, the words of God, in the preaching with which I, Paul, was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Here is what he just said. Because he had an experience with Jesus, and Jesus gave him a commission as his apostle, then God was going to use Paul to share or to teach or to reveal God's infallible, perfect, enduring word. Paul was going to be the conduit through which God gives or reveals his word. That's just mind-boggling to me that God would use a sinner, would use someone like me, someone like us, to then be the conduit through which he reveals his word. That is, a, that is amazing to me. That's amazing to me. So much so, God is using him that when Paul wrote this letter to Titus, he was revealing his word to you and me so that it would be contained in our Bibles and you and I can read it today and hear from God. Paul wrote this. Paul's the guy who physically wrote this down, but in it, God spoke. And so now you and I can hear from God through what he gave Paul to write. That is amazing grace. That is amazing grace that God comes 
and he delegates such great roles to people like you and me and Paul to be part of his kingdom and what he's doing in the world. And that's an amazing truth because in that we see the beauty of our God, right? We see the beauty of our God in that he's not just a throwaway God. He's not a God who says, listen, you messed up. You did this X thing, whatever. You fill in whatever the sin deal you deal with. He says, you messed up once in that area, so therefore you're out. I need perfect people or good people to be on my team. No, no, no. He goes to people like us, and he says, I see who you are. And I love you too much to leave you that way. And so I want to come into your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to use it to penetrate your heart and lead you to see the beauty of my love. I want you to see the beauty of my son and lead you to be in my team. That's what he does. That's what he does where he transforms our hearts through our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he leads us into a transformed life. And then he leads us to unendingly hear about his love for us. And then he puts us in the game on his team. That is an amazing truth that God picks you. God wants you to be involved. And so Paul, in a part of that same process... Paul received a special role, we talked about, in revealing God's own words to us. And so Paul entrusted the writing of our New Testament to men like him, to a sinner. That's just crazy to me. So here's for me. If you work with me, I'm not, I I don't feel like I'm a bad guy to work with. Um, But if I'm really passionate about something, I struggle to delegate it. And so, um, and so like, it, like if it's like a, a graphic or a sermon graphic or um, I don't know, something I feel like, I, I think this is going to be cool. I, see, I have a vision for how this is going to work out. I struggle to say, hey, why don't you handle this? And then whatever you do with it is fine. Uh, I just, I struggle with that because I kind of want to hold on to it. Um, I don't feel like I'm a micromanager, but just in things that I really like, I just want to hold on to it. Um, but the thing about that, if you, if, you, if you take that, like I, like, I struggle to be that way, and I'm a pretty finite, fallible person. I make bad decisions a lot, like, or just wrong. You look at it, and you're like, man, I wish I would have done something different. Like, how many times do I do that? But think about that in terms of God. God, the ultimate authority, the ultimate perfect planner, the ultimate person who could see a, see a vision out and carry it out, what he does then is instead of doing it himself and saying, no, 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 Paul, you're going to mess that up. You're going to misspell that word. You're going to, no, I just, I just don't, uh, your life is not going to line up with what you're going to say 100% of the time. So therefore, instead of you writing it, I'm just going to give you all some rocks with some writing on them. And I'm just going to handle it. Like, no, 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 he doesn't do that. Instead, he delegates. He delegates to sinners that he saved by his grace. And so what he did, for the, for the writing of Scripture, he entrusted a handful of men to give it, to reveal it to us. What, like, what kindness that God would want us to be involved in this, in his plan 
And so now today, as we read the letters of the New Testament, as we read Paul's letters in the New Testament, we stand on Paul's authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. So when we teach, we teach on Paul's authority of what he wrote as he wrote on the authority of Christ, who he was standing on. That's what we stand on today, and that's an amazing thing. Now, in God's kindness, in God's kindness, he gave Paul this role for our benefit. Go back to verse 1. He gave Paul this role for our benefit. Look what he says. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Why? For the faith of God's elect. And number two, for the knowledge, uh, for their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So number one, his having this authoritative role within the church, the global church, was for a purpose, to build up all of our faith. God's elect means all of God's chosen people, his people. When you believe in Jesus, you become part of God's people. That's what he's talking about here. And Paul is working to build up all of our collective faith in Jesus. And look what that faith is supposed to do. For their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. He's building up our faith, and he's building up our knowledge of that truth of the gospel in order that it would lead to godliness. And so God, the, the, the gospel, God's word about the gospel message and its sanctifying effects, the way that it makes you like Jesus, is what's contained within this. So Paul talks about this in chapter 2, verse 14. Turn over there for me. We're going to talk about this a lot, this verse, because it's pretty key to the whole book for us. He says this, this is the, the main point or main like kind of basis, basis, I guess, for the book of Timothy or for the book of Titus. But in it, it contains the essence of the gospel that all of scripture is about. Verse 14, he, meaning Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us or to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works he gave he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works so when Paul says, I was given this role for your benefit, is to build up your faith and to help you understand your faith. Because the more you understand your faith, the more your life will then look like Jesus. Well, then what, what are we supposed to understand? Paul tells us here, it's that Jesus gave himself up for you to set you free from all godlessness, lawlessness, from your sin. You've been redeemed, set free from that in order that you might be able to be cleansed from your sin and to be made a people of God's own possession where you can pursue righteousness. What, what does that mean? It means the gospel is based on grace alone. There's nothing you can do to earn a position with God or to make yourself right with God. It's only based on Jesus. It's only based on Jesus and his work. And the people of faith who have faith in Jesus are redeemed or set free from their sin. And they're freed then to go and obey God. They're freed to obey God and pursue righteousness. And as a result, they are restored into a right relationship with God in which he is filled with unending love towards 
us. And Paul says that the more that you know that, the more that you understand that, the more that that will have a practical effect in your life to where you will then begin to look more and more like Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, that's why I'm serving. That's why I'm pouring out my life as a servant of God and as an apostle because I want you to understand how much Christ loves you because the more you understand how much he loves you, the more you'll begin to look like him. And that's the essence of the gospel is that we were not like Christ, but then Christ died for us in order to make us like him. Isn't that great? That is the beauty of what Paul is telling us here in Titus is that we didn't do it. We can't do it. But Jesus did. Jesus did. He set us free from our sin, set us free from lawlessness, set us free from that which grieves God, and He's cleansed us from the stain of our sin and has made us pure by His blood on the cross. And so back here in Titus 1, verse 1, Paul is telling us that he was given this job in order to spread to you and me that truth about Jesus. And that when we understand that, that these things are already ours. He has already removed our sin. He has already made us pure. He's already lavished love on us. He's already made us his people. He's already done that. Paul says this another way in Ephesians 1, another letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, through Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Every one of them, every spiritual blessing in heaven is already been granted to the one who believes in Jesus. This is not something that we're waiting to happen. God, like when you believe in Jesus, God says, it's already yours. You're already set free. You're already my person. You're already loved by me. And so what's left for you is to then believe it and obey. And so the more you understand that, the more you begin to connect the dots, the more you can begin to connect the dots of how the freedom Jesus bought for you when he removed his, your sin from you then opens up the door for you then to become like Jesus. And so that's how Paul begins this book. As he says, I want you to understand this is who I am. And this is what we're doing here. Is that I want you to understand how much Jesus loves you. And that when you really believe it, then your call is for your life to line up with that. And so look down at verse 4. He ends it like this, this beginning. He says, okay, that's where we're going. And so to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Let's pray. And so, Father, we come before you. And we thank you for your word and how you used people like us, people like Paul, to reveal it to us so that we can hear from you, that we can know you, that we can hear about how much you desperately love us and how you desire us 
to then be able to take that knowledge and apply it to our lives and begin to look like Jesus as a result of our faith. And so I pray that you capture our hearts with the beauty of that. And so we thank you for Jesus in the cross and how he established this relationship and he sustains this relationship and it's not something we earned or we can earn or we keep in place, but it's all based on him and what he did for us. And so we thank you for that. And so help us to trust and help us to obey this week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're here, and there's something in this that's compelling to you, in which you uh, recognize that you do not have a relationship with Jesus or you haven't met him, but you want to, here's what you do. You turn to him, you pray, which means you just talk to him. And you say, Jesus, I know that I'm living my life without you, but I need your grace because I'm a sinner like Paul was. And so save me. Bring me into your team. Demonstrate your love for me. Show me that you love me in the same manner. And when you call out to him in that manner, he'll respond. He'll respond. And so then if you do that, the next thing you need to do is tell someone else that you did that. And so if you want to talk with about it, I'll be at this front table over here. I would love to talk with you about Jesus. And for the rest of us, I want to give you just a second to assess where you're at. And so maybe you just need to stop and just praise God for his grace that he has shown you in his son Jesus. And so we want to give you a second to turn to him.